Good Morning Nancy is a horror movie podcast, so it may not be for all audiences. This episode contains discussions on violence, body horror, and rape. Listener discretion is advised. Good morning, Nancy. My name is Gracie. And I'm Abby. And if you're new to the show, welcome. This is season four, episode nine, and we're so excited for you to join us. Gracie and I have been friends since forever, and we love talking about our favorite horror movies together and with you. All while drinking a nice cup of coffee. Today we'll be discussing the Canadian body horror film American Mary. It was written and directed by the Soska sisters, and it stars Catherine Isabel, Antonio Cupo, Tristan Risk, and David Lovegren. We're not shy about spoilers, so if you haven't seen this film, we highly suggest that you pause this recording and watch it. Still here? Okay, then let's get this morning started. So the script for American Mary was written while twin sisters Jen and Sylvia Soska were trying to sell their first film, Dead Hooker in a Trunk, (laughs) in 2009. Yikes. (laughs) Initially, the idea came when Jen found an article online about twins surgically swapping limbs. The story was an April Fool's joke, but the idea of it really happening fascinated her nonetheless. Oh. (laughs) The script ended up reflecting some of their experiences that they had breaking into the film industry, such as meeting sleazy people that initially seemed like reputable mentors. You know, I really wasn't sure where that was going to go for a second, and I was like, oh, oh, this was a a reflection of... (laughs) Oh, I was like, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, not the body horror stuff. (laughs) I guess uh, filmmaking is really intense, so... (laughs) So not knowing anything about body modification, the twins would also go onto like message boards and they would pretend to be enthusiasts trying to get different procedures done. Oh. The Soska sisters' parents had to remortgage their house in order to help raise money to finance this film. Jen Soska stated that for Dead Hooker in a Trunk, they could make the film pass with a low budget by turning it into a like grindhouse film. But for American Mary, they wanted to show the world what they were capable of with a little bit of money. A quote from Sylvia is as follows. Dead hooker in a trunk was really to say, here we are. And American Mary was to say, here's what we can do. When we made dead hooker in a trunk, we were super young. We were very ambitious. Our hearts were on our sleeves. You can really see that. And then in American Mary, we've seen a lot of monsters. We've battled a lot of demons. The role of Mary was written specifically for Catherine Isabel, who is known for her title role in the Canadian werewolf film Ginger Snaps. Yes. The Soska sisters remarked in an interview with Electric Sheep magazine how they related to the sisters in Ginger Snaps and that the film really helps them get through high school. There is no CGI in the film. Everything is either practical or Mary's patients are members of the real-life body modification community. I love that. Mm-hmm. This film, too, has that 
like same feel as like the thing which we'll get into more i'm sure as we discuss but oh i just had to mention that because that's why i love this movie so much yeah it's pretty fantastic Mm -hmm. so american mary was shot in only two weeks and eventually it premiered at the london fright fest film festival on august 27th 2012 and then it was released theatrically in canada that october It received a limited theatrical run in the U.S. in May the following year. And I honestly, I couldn't find any box office numbers or information about how well it did. Yeah. So if you guys know, let us know. Upon its release, audience and critics reviews were mixed, with the majority of the negative reviewers having serious problems with the second act. But my favorite positive review comes from Farron Smith Nehmi, of the New York Post, who said, quote, It's a truly interesting slasher fest. In this one, the heroine gets to be both beauty and the beast. Yes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. With that said, Abby, would you please remind us all of the plot? Sure. American Mary follows the story of young surgeon Mary Mason in her undergrad program struggling to pay her bills. It becomes clear early on that she is a dedicated student and incredibly intelligent, But as the calls from debt collectors come rolling in, she decides to answer a want ad for strippers out of desperation. Upon her arrival to the interview, she's asked if she'll perform surgery on a wounded man in the basement of the strip club for $5,000. From then on out, she answers various calls for, quote-unquote, underground body modification surgery. She begins to make a steady income, but in a tragic turn of events, is sexually assaulted by her professor. She decides to drop out of med school and continue her work in the body modification community and exacts her revenge on her professor by performing all sorts of body modification surgery on him, keeping him locked in her apartment as a sort of test subject. The movie spirals out of control as Mary is tracked down and murdered by one of her client's husbands, a man angry about his wife's body mod that removed her genitals. The film is a dark look at revenge and the body mod community with a nod to fierce female independence. So the Bechdel test. Yes, it does pass. Yay! Mary talks to both Beatrice and Ruby Real Girl about like procedures and jobs and money and just about life in general. So it passes a bunch of times and it's freaking amazing. There's so many women in this. It's awesome. Yay. And uh, let's go over Nancy's dream team test. Was the supporting cast at least 50% women? Yes. Did a woman write, direct, or produce the film? Yes. Was the final girl a person of color? So there's not really a final girl in this, but I would consider Mary to be the lead. Yep. So I would say no. Were there any openly LGBTQ characters in the film? Yes. The Soska sisters play (laughs) lesbian twins, but they kind of have the hots for each other, like their characters do in this. Mm -hmm. And it's um, kind of... Yeah. <laughs> ah, walk up in the club like, what up? I'm going to bite your tongue off. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. All right. Well, mm. yeah, there's a lot of um, very questionable uh, sexual assault 
type yes thing, stuff in this yes topics. yes for sure uh which you know we're about to talk about rape culture and horror mm-hmm. so the soska sisters actually were very much against having a scene where uh, mary is raped mm-hmm. and have it be an excuse for her boobs to come out yeah basically and i guess they heard from a lot of producers like it's it's the only way to do a rape scene because at least you get to see boobs and then that's extremely worrisome for me to hear it really is it really is and jen said that absolutely not like we're having this scene for a different reason and they're not against nudity Mm -hmm. Uh, the soska sisters were like we're totally cool with people being nude and that's great but like the main thing that everybody would be talking about in american mary would be we got to see Catherine isabel's breasts no but it's Uh, a rape scene it's not about that right right well because it shows like a certain level of exploitation of filmmakers when you put an actress or actor through that you know so Mm -hmm. yikes yeah and uh sylvia soska said quote and considering how rape is one of those things that is rampant in our society and almost shameful to even mention if you show it in the horrific light that it is and people are like it is a very long and upsetting scene it is (sighs) i'm like Yeah, because if you are in that situation, you don't get to cut away. Mm. A lot of it is on her expression and on his expression. I love watching how difficult it is for people to watch because it is realistic. It is real horror. And it is what a horror film should have, unquote. Yeah, for sure. Um, That was actually one of the things that Gracie and I talked about when we were talking about discussing this film. Because... It's very heady. Like, it's a lot for people to watch. And I was like, that scene was a lot longer and a lot worse than I remember from, like, the first time watching it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in that same sort of scenario that, like, I Spit on Your Grave is. And I Spit on Your Grave is also one of those films that is um, sensitive. Yes. And then American Mary is as well. But it's sort of like that rape revenge thing as well, that classic Mm -hmm. rape revenge story where a woman like takes back what this man has taken from her. Right. And what's really great about Mary is that she doesn't have a scene where she's like crying in the shower or like she runs to another man for help or she like obviously she's going to realistically be like wow what the hell happened to me right but you know and be upset because she should be but she doesn't have that like victim scene yeah she actually goes back to work yeah in almost the next scene she's back to work and she's just like i dropped out of med school and now i'm going to kill you yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be great The wild thing to me is like she you're right. She doesn't really ask for help, but she like pays the guys that she works with at the club to kidnap him. 
and like bring him back to the apartment. Right. Yeah. That's like the extent of it. She doesn't ask for help or reach out in any other way, which. Oh, no, that's she doesn't like cry into their arms, I guess is what I'm trying to say. She just uses them (laughs) with the money that she has earned to get them to bring that guy to her. Yeah. Because she's a hustler. She doesn't need. Yeah, exactly. It's not like it's not like a comfort thing. It's more of a do this job for me so that I can continue to work. Yes. It's very like cut and dry which is kind of funny because that's how you need to be as a I'm speaking from a really ignorant standpoint I'm not a surgeon but from what I understand you need to be very like to the point as a surgeon so that like kind of carries over into her real life and it's wild it's so crazy because this guy her professor is always harping on her about how like she can't screw up and she needs to be perfect all the time because you can't afford to make mistakes. And she's like, well, I'm going to take your advice then and I'm going to carry out some swift justice, sir. <laughs> he is terrible. He is. He's an awful person. He's mentally and then sexually abusive. Yeah. He's a psycho. He is. It was a dark and stormy night. And the hosts of the Queens of the Damned podcast had just gathered around the fire with their tomes of forgotten lore. Don't forget the wine! And a lot of wine, much of which had already been imbibed. For her part, Miranda was discussing... A history of Frankenstein, from its conception to Karloff's beloved role as the monster. And Rachel would continue with... Vincent Price. Like, everything about Vincent Price. And as the fire died down... Nikki would conclude the evening with something related to gothic literature, probably. You know me so well. Do you like listening to three women debate about the cultural significance of the horror genre? And also axe murders. I do love a good old-timey axe murder story. Then Queens of the Damned, a horror podcast, is the show for you. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere you can download a podcast. Visit us at queensofthedamnedpodcast.wordpress.com, qotdpodcast.podbean.com, or email us at qotdpodcast at gmail.com for more details about our monthly horror giveaways. Stay spooky! Okay, so when I first watched this film, I was watching it through the internet, so... Oh, no. So, like, for the first few minutes, it was a really slow version <laughs> of uh, Maria. And it was, but it sounded good still because it's instrumental. Right. And I, and there was no sound. So, she's in that classroom with her professor and he's, like, talking to her and, and she had her phone out and he's like, put your phone away. I didn't hear any of that. It was all silent. It was just them moving their mouths with nothing coming oh, out. Oh, no. And I was like, wow, this is so artistic. I was like, this is great. But I couldn't really tell how much of a jerk face he was. Yeah, I just thought, I just, but I could tell that there was conflict. So I just thought, oh, this is a really, and it says like on her phone, like debt collectors. Yep. So I could tell like what was happening in those first few minutes, <sighs> even before the sound caught up and I was like, Oh, something's wrong here. And I had to restart the film. Yep. But 
so that was neat. I was like, wow, this is very artistic. So artsy. I know. <laughs> and then it was, then it caught up and it was like, everyone was talking slow. And I was like, oh, dang, this is wrong. And so I restarted it. And then I started it from the beginning. And the, the crap that he was saying to her. Oh, my God. I was God. like, I missed all the, like, I, I knew they had a conflict, but I didn't realize he was abusive no um, yeah mentally abusive that to her in the classroom straight up what it is I, I was like if a professor had ever spoken to me like this which none of my professors did but uh when I was in high school a teacher did like something to the same effect to me so I was like girl I know how you feel but um I it, it's like shocking to hear that come from a professional person that's like what the heck so and like I get it she shouldn't have had her phone in class like that's one of my biggest pet peeves but the way that he handled that was so abrupt terrible yeah terrible yeah it was it was awful and I so restarting that I was like oh I missed all of this I didn't realize he was so evil no he is a piece of human garbage that's for sure so Ugh. let's talk about the medical community and sexual assault. Yeah. So in an article published by the LA Times in 2018, Reshma Jagsi, a professor of radiation oncology at the University of Michigan and the director of its Center for Bioethics and Social Sciences, discusses the problem of sexual assault in the medical community. She stated, in medicine, What may be somewhat unique is the absolute length of dedication and training that is required to get to the point of being a female physician. The sheer number of years that has been devoted to pre-medical training, medical school, residency training is a very long road. So anything that could distract from their identity as professionals is very threatening. Medicine is also a very hierarchical field in which the culture militates against challenging a superior or senior. Then there's the nature of the medical practice itself. As physicians, we have been trained to suck it up a bit in terms of how we're treated, Jagsy says. We're interacting with patients who are facing tremendous challenges, so we're willing to excuse certain behavior. And if we excuse it from patients, Perhaps we also excuse it from others. In this film, she's straight up abused by her professor, but she tries not to let it bother her too much because she's trying to make the grade and prove that she can be as ruthless as she needs to be. And you kind of see that too when one of her superiors asks her to tell one of the patients in the waiting room that her husband died. Like, it's, he says, like, go tell her her husband had a heart attack. And then she comes back and he's like, okay, now tell her that he's dead. And she's just like, well, okay. Like, completely straight faced, just marches back in there and just delivers the news like it's nothing. Right. So she is kind of like, I don't want to say she doesn't have feelings or emotions, but she becomes kind of this blank slate in order to kind of deflect that abuse from her professors, I think. Right, yeah. Yeah. And like the article was saying, you know, like she didn't really try to stick up for herself Mm -hmm. because she thinks that there is maybe a level of respect there. Like he's her superior and he's gone through all this training, so I look up to him and, you know, maybe it's, he's just kind of like, giving me a hard time because he believes in me kind of thing. I don't think that's what it is. 
I think he he hates her. He hates her for who she is, I think. Yeah. And I think that he is intimidated by her because she's so good and she's like right on the money. Like in the middle of class when she's on her phone, he calls on her to answer a question that they were discussing and she answers it like spot on. Yeah, because she's smart. Right. But I th- he hates it. Yeah. And he, he I think he was expecting her to be like, <laughs> but... Yeah, so I think that level of intimidation made him feel like he needed to like be in control or dominate her. Well, that's actually kind of interesting because this is something where this is a man who almost feels threatened by a woman sort of in his quote unquote field. <laughs> Because... Like he's got a corner on the market, please. Right. So according to thebalancecareers.com, in an article by Lale Wolf, written in August 2018, the statistics are clear. Despite ongoing efforts in medical schools and professional organizations, the number of women in surgery remains low. And as of 2015, the Association of Women Surgeons stated that out of approximately 160,000 surgeons in the U.S., only about 19.2% are women. I think that this character was sort of just like, this is mine. Like, all these women are coming into my field, Mm -hmm. into the the men's club or whatever. Yeah. So I think that that's actually really great that they made her a surgeon – or as a medical student who wants to become a surgeon, because it's a field that's more Mm male-dominated. The other thing about this, too, is that Mary isn't messing up in his class. He keeps saying to her, you're not going to make it if you keep messing up in my class. And she's not. Like, her grades are not suffering. Mm -hmm. She obviously knows the material. Mm -hmm. So... He's just giving her a hard time because he doesn't want her to be successful in the field. Well, there's a, it's a power dynamic. It's all yes. about like he just does not want he, – he wants to be better than her. Yeah. And in Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Gender in the Modern Horror Film, Carol J. Clover elaborates and says – For revenge fantasies to work, there must be something worth avenging. In the case of rape revenge films – That something has to do not only with rape, but with the power dynamic between men and women that makes rape happen in the first place. Mm -hmm. It really does pay off to see him hanging from the ceiling by his... With no limbs. By his back skin. Oh, my God. By a woman surgeon. Mm -hmm. You know, and I... I'm speaking from experience also when I say that it's not easy to be pushed out of a career field by men. Yes, I know you're speaking from experience. Yeah, Yeah. um, because that definitely happened to me. So I know how much anger and frustration that can cause. So I... Like, for me, it's kind of like, um, what's the word that I want to say? Like, cathartic, I guess, Mm -hmm. to see Mary do something like this. Because I'm like, oh, yes. (laughs) But you know what I love is that she doesn't, she doesn't stay in her class. Right. She does decide to leave. Because it's better for her mentally not to be there. It's better for her financially, too. Also, yes. Everything about it is just like, 
like nothing good is coming from me going to school mm-hmm. so I might as well just go off and do my own thing yeah that is very true because I think that there's this thing now with like American students where they feel like they have everybody around them saying like keep going keep pushing even when it doesn't like feel great or when it doesn't really match up with what you want in life you just got to keep going just you know and like when is enough enough like when do you finally realize like okay maybe this is not what I want or yeah what I originally thought I wanted like maybe it needs to change in some way that's actually kind of beautiful that she goes through that transformation I think you just sort of described women in general yeah yeah I think more than just the American student I think you just described women with careers with motherhood with being a childless they are pressured into being something that they might not want to be yeah or they think that this is their only option right I just feel like it's okay to to know when you have to walk away yeah for sure because your experience is still important even if you don't find success in something like that you can still talk about it yeah it's it's I think it's great that that Mary walks away and finds her own path. Me too. And she still does what she loves. Yes. So let's talk about this female-centered horror film. Yeah. How do we define a female-centered horror film? It's not simply a horror film in which the girl or the woman is the lead. The first real female-centered horror film, I think we talked about this, was Dracula's Daughter in 1936. Yep. And she's not technically the first female monster that goes to the Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. But she is the protagonist and the antagonist, and she has a lot of screen time, whereas the bride has, what, less than five minutes of screen time, maybe two minutes? Yep. So I think it's it's kind of great that in Dracula's Daughter, she's both the bad guy and the good guy. Yes. And that's sort of what Mary is, too. Yeah. She's a villain, but not really. She's sort of the hero, too, right? Yeah, I mean, it depends on your perspective, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. And she's the, I mean, she's the evolution of the final girl, Mm -hmm. where she is at the center of this film and dealing with her journey, but also she hurts people yeah. at the same time yes yeah but in horror especially the classics our sympathies tend to lie with the monsters who are usually men yeah in dracula's daughter cat people and american mary our sympathies lie again with the monsters who are women this time around women can also be freaks outsiders and have a darkness deep inside them too so yeah and but what's really also interesting about this is that most horror films with female monsters are directed by men (laughs) yeah but american mary stands apart because it's a female-centered horror film directed by two women not just one but two Typically, if a woman becomes the villain in horror, she's either possessed by a demon or she takes on very masculine qualities. Right. And this movie is a love letter to Takashi Miike's audition. Oh, my God. The character Asami, the antagonist and protagonist, the female character in that. And 
the Soska sisters said that they really wanted this to have that sort of Asian horror feel. And not only does it have that feel in its cinematography, but it has the strong female lead as well, which mm-hmm. isn't a lot of Asian horror. Yes. Good Morning Nancy is proudly sponsored by Recess Coffee. We wouldn't be able to create such great content without being fueled by their magical beans. And the great part is, is that each batch of coffee is locally, artisanally roasted, and it comes from fair trade farmers. Gracie, what's your favorite blend? Oh my gosh. Okay, so my favorite blend is the Westcott blend. It has African and Indonesian beans mixed to create a clean, rich, and full-bodied cup of coffee. Mm. It has a rich floral vanilla aroma with a sugared almond flavor and a lemon finish. Yum! Ooh, delicious. My favorite is the Austin's blend. It's a unique blend of African, Indonesian, and Central American beans roasted to create a characteristically rich, dark, and smoky cup. It has a bold roasted nut aroma with chocolate flavors and a smooth, fruity finish. The coffee is seriously so good. I don't even have to put any cream or sugar in it. I just drink it black like my soul. (laughs) (laughs) So guys, head on over to RecessCoffee.com to order yours today. Or if you're a Syracuse local, stop by either shop at 110 Harvard Place or 110 Montgomery Street. So drink coffee, shoot lightning. Now back to the show. So let's talk a little bit about body modification and horror. Yeah. What's so interesting is that Abby and I could not find anything about how the uh, body mod community reacted to this film. Yeah. I don't know if it's because we were just looking in the wrong places, maybe. We might have been. But but we looked a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah, it was (laughs) Pretty nuts. And to be honest, I don't know anyone personally in the body mod community. I know one person, but from a distance. Like, we're not close friends. We're more acquaintances. Okay. And I know that he has kind of done it on his own. Like, he doesn't really have a guide or a mentor. Mm-hmm. Which is like, wow, more power to you because... Right, yeah. I feel like it's... uh. It's risky business if you don't know what you're doing because you're dealing with like bodily fluids and open wounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So you go, guy. Yeah. But yeah, like hard to find some feedback on this film for sure. Yeah, that was so if you are a member of the body modification community and you'd like to let us know what you thought of America Mary, um, email us at goodmorningnancy at gmail. And we'd love to hear your story. We'd love to hear your perspective because we don't have the correct perspective to talk about that. Right. So, yeah, please let us know. We'd love to hear your story. Mm-hmm. So the plot line begins with the new meaning to the doctor-patient confidentiality as Mary evades discovery by the authorities and reaches a gory but rather poignant denouement oh. when she is finally faced with the consequences. Yeah. So Jen Soska said, quote, a lot of times somebody who looks like a monster isn't a monster on the inside. It seems like a grade school lesson, but the body modification community is misunderstood. Yes. And she said that in a New York Times interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sylvia Soska said, we didn't have any judgment on set, not even a joke. We wanted it to be a safe environment. Wow, that's so nice. I guess they also spoke with Clive Barker when they told him about 
this movie. And for those of you who might not know, Clive Barker is known for writing The Hellbound Heart. He also wrote Candyman, which we covered in our last season. Mm-hmm. But he said that, um, you know, there's no one general group for body modification. There's different types of extremists. And he was really curious about if they were going to represent everyone in the film. And that was something that I didn't even think of because I come from a very uneducated perspective. Mm -hmm. The fact that there are different types of communities within a community. Yeah. And locally, the only place that I can think of here in Syracuse, New York is like um, Scarab Body Arts. I know they do like some body modification stuff and I think they sell like paraphernalia and stuff as well but um I didn't realize like you were saying the extent to which people go for body modification like it's it's pretty crazy it's not not crazy in a bad way but like holy crap (laughs) these people are amazing and they're capable of amazing things badass that's for sure yes (laughs) um so i guess like the appeal about body mod for me is that you have this freedom of choice and nothing is really taboo like mary was she was really constricted as she studied to become a surgeon obviously because you have to be really by the books like she knew what she needed to do and she was great at it and it's almost as if there's this really great duality to her character and the world of body modification and medicine itself. Right. Like in many ways the in this film body mod seems like the safer option. Like medical science is portrayed as this very snobbish, emotionless, almost psychotic industry. Yes. And the way that Mary interacts with the patients that she delivers bad news to during her residency and like the abuse that she receives from her superiors Everything about it screams dangerous and hostile. Yeah, it's it's dull and 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 the lights are weird and frightening and but the it's body hold. Yes, and the body mod community is colorful. It's almost like Oz compared to yes. Kansas. Yes. And when she's performing the body mod surgeries, she's comfortable and relaxed. Her interactions are super down to earth. She treats everyone like an individual, and that's something she couldn't really afford to do as a medical professional. So, like, she has her clients coming in and out of her apartment, and she's talking to them like, oh, you know, are you satisfied? And if there's anything else I can do for you, just let me know, and that kind of thing. And then, like, there's a guy who comes in talking about wanting a couple piercings, and she just, like kicks him out she's just like get out of here like she gives him to the guy and yeah. then the guy grabs him and takes him away it's like wh- and i was watching this with luke and luke was like did he kill him like what is happening he well, just grabs him and he takes him away yeah i know and then he like throws a hood over his face yeah. probably to like keep her identity safe i would assume but i'm like whoa holy crap she's not screwing around she really isn't but she's also not properly licensed so right (laughs) there is that too there's something to be said for like proper licenses for that kind of stuff you know it's kind of like not getting a tattoo 
in a kitchen from someone with like little to no experience. I don't recommend it. No. I mean, Mary, she's a little bit more, you know, she knows what she's doing. She's a little bit more sophisticated in that sense. Right. Yeah. But. Yeah. 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 So you also had something to say, too, about like women kind of owning their bodies and stuff right with this film like yeah that was the major like theme that I got from this film was that it touches on the a woman's agency over her own body Mm -hmm. and beauty standards the guys in this don't like it yeah they don't care for it a ruby real girl Mm -hmm. is um one of her clients and she requests uh, a procedure to render her sexless. Mm-hmm. She wants to be a Barbie doll. Yeah. That means like taking out her clitoris and take in like sewing up her vagina and taking her nipples off. Mm-hmm. Like she wants to be sexless in that sense. Yeah. Uh, and she has this really great quote about thinking that it's unfair for God to decide what she looks like. Yeah. And at the end of the film, she like appears at the beginning and we don't see her again really until the end of the film after she's all healed Mm -hmm. and her husband comes home and she surprises him by showing him her Barbie doll figure that she got from Mary. Now her husband hates it. Yeah. He is irate. Yes. And he hurts Beatrice, who is her friend, yep. Ruby's friend. Yep. I assume he hurts Ruby. I can't remember if we see Ruby. I don't think we do. I assume he was super pissed off with Ruby. Right. But then he kills Mary mm-hmm. because she helped his wife alter her body without his permission. Right. He not only kills Mary, but he also hurts the women who helped Ruby get to that point, like Beatrice, who like suggested Mary to her. Mm-hmm. And this sort of reminds me of like, or even just uh, your partner in general, who like, I want you to dress like this, or I want you to look like this. I want you to to have this tattoo or not have this tattoo. Mm-hmm. And it's frightening yes that you feel like you have to look to them like yes. follow what they want mm-hmm. well it's kind of astounding to me because she is in the world of fashion like she's right she's a fashion designer and you meet all types of people in the world of fashion and it's very colorful and it's very like you meet a lot of unique people so her husband knows this like he he knows that all of those options are out there and available and she clearly expresses herself in a certain way so i'm not like i don't know i but, i just don't understand the he, shock there he can't pleasure her in the way that he wants to pleasure her yeah so that's why is that she can do whatever she wants with her face she can do whatever she wants with her hair her nails whatever but when you take away his pleasure that he gets from her, mm-hmm. then it then it then he's mad. Yeah. That's the reason, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes me so mad. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So before we get into our final thought, I want to share this advice from the Soska sisters to other women who love horror. 
Jen Soska says, I always tell girls, if you want to be storytellers, don't chase roles you don't want to do. Just go to work. It's funny to hear from girls who make horror movies that our message is one of support, but that's at the heart of American Mary. Oh, man. Yeah. So final thought. Let's talk about the duality of this film. Yes. So... Catherine Isabel said in an interview at Fright Fest, where the film debuted in 2012, that she loves playing these dark characters because they are realistic. She said that it appeals to her because she can tap into that weirder side of herself and she didn't have to play a victim, which, you know, we talk about the shadow self all the time in our podcast. And for those of you who might not know, the shadow self is that kind of like darker part of your personality that you might not really be in touch with as much, but it's kind of a reflection of like your deep desires and like that darkness. So this really goes hand in hand with Mary herself. Like to everyone in her past, she's this sweet, hardworking, intelligent girl trying her best to make it through med school. Mm -hmm. And to her professors, she is an easy target because she's trying to play the role of a surgeon, cut and dry, straight to the point. But there's a completely different side of her that no one sees but her. Right. And that is the body mod Mary that ultimately leads to her downfall. So any way you look at it, what this movie says to me or how I interpreted it is that you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm, Like you can be a squeaky clean grad student who chats on the phone with her grandma in your spare time, um, but you can also pay your bills by performing illegal surgery and the film takes a very bleak look at what it means to be a modern woman but between mary's debacles she really becomes a strong fierce female force to be reckoned with and it's like that whole like life sucks and then you die but what happens in between all of that is completely up to you like you can be a victim or you can rise up so I think it does a really great job at portraying women in horror because Mary, to me, feels like a a very real character and her actions are genuine. Like, we know that she comes from a family of recent immigrants, like, most likely, judging by her conversations with her grandma who lives in Budapest. But besides that, like, she's pretty much on her own. So she has to stand up for herself. And she does an amazing job exacting her revenge and standing her her ground even with her clients and no one walks all over her well guys thank you all so much for listening to this episode of good morning nancy don't forget to check out our merch we've got mugs sweatshirts and t-shirts it's amazing go to goodmorningnancy.com merch and click the shirt icon to be taken to our shop And if you'd like some sweet extra content in your coffee, head on over to patreon.com slash goodmorningnancy. And for just a few bucks a month, you can receive some fun extras like bloopers from our show, new horror movie reviews, and so much more. Don't forget to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It takes just a few minutes to rate and review our show. Plus, it helps us get recognition. Follow us on social media, Twitter at goodmorningnan, Facebook at Good Morning Nancy and Instagram at Good Morning Nancy Podcast. Also, tell a friend and spread the word. We love you all to death. Have a great morning. Bye.